Amen. You may have a seat. Thank you so much for being here. Um, it's always wonderful to, to meet in church together. It's wonderful to have folks that are tuning in online right now, watching on live stream. Uh, it is Easter Sunday. We're celebrating the new life that we can find in Jesus Christ. Uh, we are today wrapping up a, 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 a short series that we've been in just simply called New Life. Uh, if this is your first Sunday with us, um, you're catching this um, at, the, at the tail end of it. We'd encourage you to go back and, and listen to some of the other messages because uh, what we've simply done is looked at some elements of life, normal elements of life that we can all as humans agree on that we need and that are part of us. Um, and we've been tracking this for three weeks prior to this week. Uh, this week, of course, we're talking about um, a, a life like no other. Uh, and that's what we see in, in, in the life of Jesus, and that's what we find out we can live. Uh, we're going to be back next week in our study of Acts. We're walking through Acts together as a church family, really learning what does it mean to live Jesus inside of us um, and how that fleshes out on a regular basis day in and day out. Um, so good to see so many of you, especially some, uh, some friends and family that have joined other parts of our church family. Thank you so much for being here, and we love seeing you all that we can. Um, when you, when you hear news, when you, when you hear about something, um, there's a process that most of us go through trying to figure out if we can validate what we've heard. Um, I've grown up, I was born in Tennessee, um, so I've got a little bit of alls in me, but I've also been um, grown most of my life up in this area of the country, so I have a little bit more Tar Heel than I have vols in me. Um, and when the news broke on April 1st this week that the head coach of the basketball team was retiring, uh, my father was, my dad actually called me. We were on the phone together, and I said, hey, Dad, I'm getting alerts on my phone. And Roy Williams is retiring. Of course, what he said, first thing is April. It's an April Fool's joke. And that's what you assume on April 1st now, right? One of my good friends, he's a pastor over in Burlington. Uh, we've got three kids. They've got three kids. And the ages line up real close. An April Fool's that he did after they had three kids, a couple years later, he jumped on Facebook um, and just simply posted on his wife's Facebook page, Honey, God brought us through with three kids. We can certainly do it in him with four, and just left it at that. And his, her feed on, on her Facebook page went to about 300 responses on that, praying for you, praying for you. And I was like, man, they're probably saying something about your kids. They've gotten to know them. They're like, we're really praying for y'all. You know, you've got to figure out how you validate information. So, you know, isn't it funny now when we see something online, um, and we wonder, man, is this true or is this fake news? What do we do? We just jump over to another website and Google, is this fake news? It's not like, well, what if it's all a conspiracy and they're all mounting up against us? I don't know. Over the last 30 days, um, my wife and I have been doing um, a thing called Whole30, um, trying to get rid of some heartburn and indigestion. You know, when you get to the age, you're trying to figure out what am I feeling is stress-related and what am I feeling that's just me, right? So we've been doing this thing called Whole30, and, and at the end of it, I stepped on a scale and saw new news. I saw I weighed 20 less pounds than I did 30 days before. No, 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 stop, 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 stop. I'm going back. No, no, don't get me wrong. I didn't land here to stay. This was purely by accident. That was not the primary reason, right? Like, I was trying to get rid of heartburn. I'm happy heartburn and fluffy. I'm, I mean, if I, get, if I get real heartburn and still be, I'm good. But I, I read that number, and in my mind, I'm kind of processing, like, this new information, do I, do I buy into this? And to be honest with you, I'm sitting there thinking, I, I really don't think I've lost I really don't think I've lost it. And this morning, you know what I saw this morning? My belt buckle. Not before I put it on, but after I put it on. And I was like, now I believe. Now I believe, right? 
when you look down, you can see the witness of something that's happened. Now it's like, okay, now I'm excited. In our lives, we, we hear about things and we vet out. We try to figure out, okay, what, what's, what's going on in life. Um, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I, I'm not even, if, if, if you don't know whether or not you believe in Jesus, I'm definitely not going to insult your intelligence by saying that the resurrection of Jesus Christ, someone that was dead coming back to life, is just a simple concept to jump on board with. Um, that defies something that we call natural law. The things that just happen continually on this planet, the way that God set it in motion, um, and, and it's predictable. When people pass away, they, they don't come back. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ, as far as news goes, is about as unbelievable and is about, is about as big of a stretch as you can get to. So when something like this happens, and, and, and just quite frankly, I'm coming from the perspective that I believe that Jesus is alive right now. But when this news breaks, it's kind of interesting when you really look back and think about, well, how, how did it break? How did God set something onto this planet to where people could buy into that? They could believe it. They could see evidence of it. And, and I want to read, we're, we're primarily going to be in John chapter 20 this morning, but I want to read a couple things to you before we jump into John cha chapter 20. So if you have your Bible, please go ahead and jump in there. Um, if your Bible's on a device, go ahead and swipe to there, whatever, whatever gets you to John chapter 20. But in Acts chapter 10, verses 40 and 41, this is, this is Peter speaking publicly about this unbelievable news that was spreading. And he says this, God raised up this man, this man being Jesus, on the third day and caused him to be seen, not by all the people. And that's... See, to me, that's what's most interesting, because if I'm going to try to prove something that is the impossible, then I'm going to go to every measure to make it so obvious that no one can question it. It's not what God did. And if we believe that God is perfect and he's holy and he has a grand design for this, this world and humanity, and, and, he, and he's so intentional in everything that he does, then, then we must look at this and say, okay, the, the, the God, if you chose to not show it to everybody then what has your strategy been built on? It says, not by all the people, but by us whom God appointed as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. There was a group of people who, who experienced complete proof. I mean, to the point where that Jesus was eating meals. He was, he was drinking liquids. He was doing the normal stuff that a living human would do. They could understand. They could watch it happen and go, okay, this is a for sure sign of life. There were conversations. There were all these things going on. Now, there were some also miraculous things going on with him and his body, but they were seeing the living proof that Jesus was alive, but it was just a certain number of people. Now, I wonder, what, what would the chaos have been if Jesus just appeared to everybody? And I find this amazing that, the, the, that those that Jesus appeared to, now, and, 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 and I want to I catch one argument real quick. Some people might say, you know what, it, this kind of sounds convenient. Jesus appeared to the, to the very people that already believed in him. Well, yes, they did believe in him, but they were full of doubts. In fact, everything at this moment looks like they're giving up when he appears. But this is what he chose to do. And it wasn't just at that moment, but, but the world has become a series of witnesses that if you're, if you're saved, that, then we are a part of this same legacy of what God is doing, the, 
to, to show his story, to tell his story here on earth for people to be able to see real and tangible life change and realize that it comes from Jesus. Now, for us, a lot of times when we make decisions about what we're going to buy into, what we're going to believe, what we're really going to hold as truth, sometimes we, 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 we start out this way, and I think this is a little bit more of a current um, mindset. We kind of get a mental image of what we want our life to look like, or we, we kind of decide who we are, we, we, we decide what, what my identity is going to be, and then when something's presented to me as truth, then we take it and we say, okay, um, th- does, this, does this agree with what I already think? And if it does, great. It comes in and it lives. But if it doesn't, it gets kicked out. Does that make sense? And, and sometimes it, maybe we're not quite sure of, of who we are yet, but we kind of have an idea of who we want to be. So if something agrees and will help shape us into that person, we'll buy into it. Right? I mean, think about the things, uh, especially that it involves our body physically. We, we, we research, we study, we, we look up, and we get information, and, and we look for proof. We want a before and after shot, right? And then say, okay, if, if I can see something tangible, if that, that kind of would get me to, to, to the point B that I want to be at, then, then I'll try it. I'll, I'll go in with it, and I'll see if it works for me. But faith in Jesus Christ is uniquely different. On one form, I would, I would argue this, that, that, it's, that it's unsafe to try to decide who you are and then come to Christ. Because salvation in Jesus means that our identity is brand new. We go actually from death to life. So, so we're, we're living a new life and, and we need a complete new mindset, a new heart, new instruction for all of that. And in salvation, we start receiving that. We don't have to be clean and perfect and holy when we come to Christ. His job is that he, he, he moves us along that track all through life. Paul was preaching a sermon to a very intellectually driven group of people and he got cut off. He got cut off when he got to this impossible news. They laughed at it, which is great because the, the gospels never shied away from people that would laugh at what sounds unbelievable. But listen to what Paul expressed himself in Acts 17. It says, two verses say this, Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorant ignorance God now commands all people everywhere to repent because he has set a day when he is going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed he has provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead this was Paul's argument to a very intellectual group of people he said listen this may not seem like it matters to you now but it will matter to everyone because when God raised Jesus from the dead then now Jesus in his free payment for sin that he offers, he now can stand righteously as someone that says, I, I, I decide whether you really know me or you don't, whether you follow me or you don't, whether we have a relationship or we don't. He said there'll come a day where it will matter. Now, we may be at different seasons of life and we may really struggle with does faith matter to me where I am. But regardless of what the moment may feel like, God's word, if, if, if you want to consider it and believe it as true, says there is a specific day that it will matter more than we can ever, ever imagine. Now, assuming that, assuming that, now let's look at the life of Mary Magdalene for just a few minutes together, okay? Now, Mary Magdalene, she's got a little bit of history with Jesus. She traveled around with him 
as he taught, as, as miracles were performed, Mary Magdalene herself was the product of one of Jesus' miraculous works. The Bible lets us know that she had seven demons that were inside her, controlling her, that Jesus miraculously freed her from. And at the moment she was set free, there was no turning back. She loved Jesus with all her heart from that moment forward. If you, when, when you really feel the freedom of Jesus, then, then you know uh, because he's alive, there's no turning back. There, there, there's no, let's, let's rethink this, let's kind of adjust what, what part faith plays in my life. It is, J Jesus has let me free, so I am going to live for him. Now, with that passion, consider still where she was at on what we would call Easter morning. This is in John chapter 20. Um, starts out verse 1. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. She saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she went running to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. You catch that, right? But before the news broke of Jesus is alive, someone who Jesus had, had freed spiritually, who, who truly followed him, who loved him dearly, didn't believe that he was alive. She just simply thought some group of incredibly strong people have come and rolled a stone away and they've taken the body somewhere else to, to put it on display, to hide it, to, to, to mock us, to whatever. She assumed that something devious was going on, right? I mean, it's, it's like walking into the room and all of a sudden your kids get quiet and you just know they're up to something because they're just plotting against you, right? I mean, you just know something's up. Like, in her heart, she was like, something is wrong here. Something's happening. So she runs back, and she tells him, look, they, they've taken him somewhere. His closest followers were still in more of grief mode than they were anywhere near joy mode, okay? Verse 3. At that, Peter and the other disciple went out, heading for the tomb, the two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. That's John writing about himself, so he's bragging, I'm a little faster. Stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying there, and he did not go in. He was fast, but he's a little scared, okay? He didn't want to get into the tomb. Then following him, Simon Peter also came. He's slow, but he's brave. He entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. The wrapping that had been on his head was not lying with the linen cloth, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. So you get the picture. The news has broke. Somebody has taken the body. Peter, John, they, they sprint. Well, John sprinted. Peter kind of jogged. Um, they, they, they get to the tomb, and they look in. No, no body. But they see some evidence. They see the wrapping that was around the legs just kind of wadded up at the bottom, and they see the part that was wrapped around the head neatly folded up. Now, now some people draw the analogy that culturally, um, when, you know, there's an analogy there to like when someone leaves a meal, and if they leave the, the napkin, the cloth folded, that means they're coming back. And some people look at that as just a symbol that Jesus was showing that he was coming back. Um, it may very well be. Now, Jesus hadn't ascended yet, so that hadn't started the conversation so much about him coming back. Um, but, but if you consider something, if you've ever, you, you remember the story of Lazarus? who Jesus raised from the dead. 
Now, this was really a, a fairly recent event. In fact, um, even coming into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, there was still some, some, some talks about, hey, this the whole thing of Jesus bringing Lazarus back from the dead. This is getting a little out of hand. In fact, they were not just trying to plot to kill Jesus. They wanted to kill Lazarus. Because they were like, hey, look, if we can just show that, oh, no, 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 he's, he's actually dead. There he is. He's buried over there. Then we can kind of squash that one. But if you remember that story when Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave, you remember how he came out? He didn't come out just like kind of, you know, walking it off. I mean, like, he, he came out literally like hopping, right? Because his, his legs were bound up. His head was still wrapped around. And Jesus specifically told people, you need, you, you need to cut him loose. You need to get this cloth off of him. Because when he brought Lazarus back from the dead, he brought Lazarus back alive as a human, which means, poor Lazarus, he's going to die again. Right? Like, can you, you ever feel like, man, I just can't catch a break. Right? Like, it's, like this is awesome, but i got to go through that again. Like, so that he had to tell him, hey, you got to cut him loose. Why? Because it, it was a physical body. What was tied up, couldn't just, you just couldn't break free from that. The great thing about, one of the great things about that miracle, though, that Jesus waited four days, and in their culture, four days meant no hope, no return, gone forever, and he brought him back. And, and, and again, Jesus just, he, he never wants our life to be without hope. So Lazarus, that's how he came out of the grave. So these claws show us something. There's something different about Jesus. He's not just physically alive. What we start to see is, is there's something unique about his body because you remember um, a little bit later, if you've read this story, um, as the disciples were talking in a, in a closed room with locked doors, Jesus just pulls this kind of um, Jesus move. I don't even know what you want to, what you could call it. It just locked doors, everything shut down, everything walls, and Jesus just goes, well, you know, sorry, didn't bring my keys. Just, he just goes through and he just shows up in the room. Hey, everybody, how you doing? Freaks the room out, right? I mean, just it's, it's incredible. So Jesus' body's different. He can, he can physically pass. He, he doesn't have the physical limits that we have. Because Jesus has already, catch this, he's already risen in the body like what you and I will rise in and exist in in eternity with him. It, it's, not, it's not limited physically. We'll never die again. Nothing can hurt us. In fact, he tells his disciples, and, and he expresses in different ways, you know, look, it's, I can pass through a wall, but also, Simon, you, you can, or, or Thomas, you, you, can, you can touch my hands. It's this amazing heavenly combination in this resurrection. It's a life like no other. And Jesus is alive. In verse 8, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first then also went in and saw and believed. Now, don't give him too much credit. Don't give too much credit. This is not saying that he believed in Jesus and his resurrection and, and, and his eternal power and all that stuff. He, he didn't believe there yet. And, and, and so just for this, if you struggle and you have struggled with what you think might be full belief in your life, God writes into the story, he is patient and he walks with us as, as, he, as he helps us into our belief in him. It says, for they did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. And, 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 and it says scripture here, but, but you know, Jesus told them three times, three times before he was crucified that he would die, 
But he also told them every time that he would rise again. You ever tell somebody something about three or four times and you just get frustrated because they just don't listen? Man, Jesus knows what you go through. Like when, when somebody just doesn't listen to you, Jesus is going, mm-hmm, I get you. I get you. I've lived that life. It says, for they did not yet understand. Then disciples returned to the place where they were staying. What's left to do? Somebody had taken the body. But now the evidence is starting to look a little fishy. If someone did and someone could move this stone that was commissioned just to seal this tomb off and could get by the armed guards that were there, if somebody could do all this, I would think that they would be physically tired in carrying a body away. You, you do realize that all that wrapping just simply would have made the body easier to carry. Especially for a group of people that just needed to prove one simple thing. He's dead. They just needed to simply prove that. So if this is the strategy, it, it, just, it just isn't adding up. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. She was upset. She was distraught. As she was crying, she stood to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been lying, one at the head and, and the other at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord, she told them, and I don't know where they've put him. That's an interesting conversation. I, I get you're upset, but there's two angels there. That's odd. I don't, I don't know who you normally just kind of run into during the day, um, but in this moment when Jesus' body's not in the tomb, they look in, nobody's in there, it, it's not a big opening. It's not like it's just everybody's traveling around in the area. You peek back in and you see two angels just kind of, and I, I don't know how angels sit. I don't know if it's like crisscross applesauce or, or what it is. I just think they have good posture probably. Um, but, but as they're just sitting there, they're like, why are you crying? And she just looks at him because I don't know where Jesus is. She doesn't seem like it's odd to her that two angels are in the tomb. Okay? And something tells me that Mary's life is a lot like ours. In certain aspects, um, believing in something, like from, for, for her to, to just be able to conceive that there are two angels there because she has really learned the love of God that processed okay. But where's Jesus was where she was still stuck. Which tells me that in my life, and, and maybe even in your life, there'll be things that because of our faith in Jesus, because of the way we were raised, because of our exposure to God and what he, what he does in this world, there'll be certain things that we'll be able just to kind of grab onto and we'll process them okay and they'll make enough sense. But then there's this other thing that will come up and we'll just... We'll just have a lot tougher time with it. I hope that, I hope that makes sense. It, 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 does, it, it does my mind, and uh, my mind's weird, so I don't know. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know it was Jesus. Woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is it that you're seeking? Supposing he was the gardener, she replied, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, and so the conversation is now getting personal because the call of, of Jesus always takes us to a personal level. He just, one, one, one word, four letters, her name, Mary. I, I, have to, I have to believe just in my heart, and I don't, I don't know this to be true because it's not in the Word of God, 
But as, as Jesus freed her for the first time, I'm sure the sound of him saying her name, Mary, came back fresh. And it was that familiar voice that just gripped her heart and her soul. And she knew in that moment, not, not, she didn't know a full understanding, she just knew that that voice means there's life behind it. And there's life in it. And when she heard her name come out of the mouth of Jesus, she fell in love all over again. Turning around, she said to him, in Aramaic, Rabbi, which means teacher, he said, don't cling to me, Jesus told her, since I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said to her. At this moment, it set off a chain of events. Following this, Jesus appeared to over 500 people. He did totally normal stuff to prove that he was alive. But in this moment, what we start to see is, is, is already the foundation of the couple of the verses that I read to you in the beginning. That there's certainty because Jesus is alive that, that, that things are different. And the story changes and how I live changes and, and, and what my heart is aimed at changes. And, and Mary herself, Mary herself, and, and I brought this in to kind of show you this. Mary herself went through a transformation that we all go through. Just think about this window for a second, okay? Mary's story, her witness, all of a sudden became her window. Not a window for herself. It wasn't about her just figuring out, how do I see this world now? How do I feel about my faith? But, but when she went back and said, I have seen the Lord. Jesus is alive, he's real, and I have experience with him. I've had a conversation with him. My life is different. Then all of a sudden, other people listening, drawn in, look through her life into the truth of something Jesus had done. And it's not just Mary. That pattern is still going on today. I want to introduce you to somebody that's going to be on screen for just a few moments, and I want to invite you to listen into his story. Um, this gentleman's name is Mike Lozano. He started listening online to our church services about a year ago at Easter. I believe actually Easter Sunday was the first service that he listened to. And since then, um, he, he's come in, and he and his wife come in and joined his daughter and her family that was already attending. Um, and, and I've had a chance to talk to Mike a few times. And at one of our men's breakfasts, um, Mike said something that just really kind of grabbed my attention. I just wanted to hear more of the story. And, and I'm, I'm not going to be able to play all of this. It's just a few minutes. Um, but online, um, I've posted, and, and, I, and I apologize for the crudeness. I just did this with my cell phone as a video camera. Um, I posted the whole um, conversation of Mike sharing his story. It's about 20 minutes, and it is absolutely worth listening to. There's, there's specific details and names that, that, that are a part of this as he just um, met people and knew people. It's just, it's really worth a listen. But, but Mike grew up, um, Mike grew up having given his life as a teenager to a whole lot of stuff that was not Jesus. And Mike shared with me at one of our men's breakfasts. He said, yes. He said, yeah, I, we were just kind of talking about when, when we came to Christ and when that relationship began. He said, yep. He said, uh, I, I really gave my life to Jesus when I was serving in the Navy. And I was like, whoa, that's not the normal story, right? And I wanted to hear more. And where the story's going to pick up is, is shortly, after, shortly after Mike enlisted into the Navy. And, and I'd love for you to listen to his story. get out to the fleet after all this school, I start hanging with these guys that are in the Navy, and guess what? 
they're doing the same thing I did back home, right? And I'm finding out everybody went in the Navy to get away from, from what they were doing so that they didn't get in any, any trouble anymore. Or they didn't get, you know, messed up somewhere in the street somewhere, you know. So I ended up meeting this best friend of mine, um, Chuck, and we were just like thick as thieves. Um, we, even, we even became dealers. That was, we, I was just right back in the same thing that, you know, I was doing back home. We, we had the leading petty officer, his name was Paul. Paul of all, all names, right? He was a Christian. Paul would always be, the, be the, the person back on the ship. You know, we, we'd hit a port, and of course, you know, being a sailor, man, I, we hit all the, the places that you could hit being a sailor. Um, and I would, I would come back just out of my mind. And Paul would be sitting there in his rack, which is on bed or a rack. Sit in his rack, reading his Bible. I, I actually slept uh, in the rack alone there, free hide. I slept alone. I'd come in, just wasted out of my mind, and start picking on him. I said, "Dude, ain't you finished reading that book yet?" You know. And uh, he, you know, at first he just it didn't bother him. And then then I started asking him, "Tell me a story." And I would be all lit up, and he would just share the gospel with me. And, uh, you know, I just was just listening to so many stories because I never heard of them before, really. You know, I just never heard of them. And, and, you know, so this kept going on for a couple of years. And uh, um, uh, all of a sudden, like, Chuck, my buddy, that we hung, I I'm telling you, we were thick as, we were tight. You know, he, one day, Gave his life to the Lord because he was Paul was talking to him as well, and he surrendered his life to Christ, and I couldn't believe it. I thought it was a joke, and I was upset about it, right? And I held out. I mean, I I I didn't see it. You know, I was I was uh, I had my religion. I knew that I had my God, and I believed it. And I was okay. You know, the good. I always thought the 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 good's gonna outweigh the bad. I was fine. I was okay. And um, long story short, again, since Chuck made it, I was miserable. I started becoming really miserable, a miserable person. I made their life miserable, right? Just pick it on them. And, and uh, they, they must have been pain heavy because I was a miserable person. And uh, I was lying in my rack, and uh, I just couldn't stop crying. Right? I mean, it was freaking me out. And I, I knew what it was, I, I just had this overwhelming sense of, of I gotta get this burden off me, man. You know, it's like, I was so burdened. It was just so heavy. And and I, I, I knew what it was. I knew it was God. I knew it was the Holy Spirit. I knew that God was calling me to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. And, uh, and I started bargaining. Bargaining, excuse me, bargaining with God, right? God, this is the best port ever. Uh, let me just have my way, and, and uh, I'll surrender tomorrow or some winter next week after I report, you know? And, no, I, and it was crazy because, you know, you sleep in, 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 in an area where there's, there's at least, you know, 50 guys in there. And uh, I was just, I had my head in my pillow because I couldn't stop. I just could not stop. Crying. And so... I just go, man, I got to surrender. Okay. So I knew they had Bible study that night. I knew where these guys met, you know, because uh, they have a 
in the air they have, there's a hatch there and I always kick there every time I walk by just to bug them. Um, so anyway, I, I, I went over there and I opened up the hatch and I looked down in there and sure enough, Chuck goes, you know, Mike, get out of here. Like, you know, stop bothering us, you know? And, and this one guy named Tony, Tony is another guy that, that got saved on the ship with Paul, you know, me and Paul were, were big, uh, witness guys on there, you know, and, and, and it was so funny because I'll never forget Chuck saying, Mike, get out of here. And then I can remember Tony looking at me and Tony goes, no, he does. Mike, come down here. Tony saw my face. And, uh, and I'll never forget it. Yeah, never forget that. I went down there and I, I swam to the Lord. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me in my life. I, I just felt this burden come off me. And, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't anything that, you know, when I was being witness to, you know, you always think that, you know, you hear the fire and brimstone and you, and you hear, you know, that you're going to hell, you know, and you, you hear all this stuff. But what really brought me to the Lord is the love that these guys have for one another. Yeah. It's the friendship and the fellowship that I, I just witnessed from them. And then the love they gave me, even though I gave enough of the heartache, yeah. Even Chuck still, you know, reached out to me with love. And Paul, Paul was just a wonderful guy. He put up with so much, right? And it was crazy because that cruise, you know, like I said, there's 300 guys on there. On that cruise, uh, there's probably about 50 guys in my department. Um, probably about a third of those guys surrendered to the Lord. I actually got to pray yeah. somebody through, and I still hang with this guy today, Mike. He's so I'll say this to you. Um, if you came this morning or you're listening online this morning and, and where you've been is really just going, you know what? This story about Jesus just really seems, it feels unbelievable. Um, again, I'm not, I'm not arguing with you because um, it, it takes something like this to give us the confidence that we can believe, that God does something that's so out of what we can do to know that we need to trust him with the life that we have, the life that he's given us. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, then I want to encourage you, don't, don't just assume that, well, you know, this was probably just kind of a, a really momentum-building movement about a, a, a teacher, Jesus. This is, this is kind of a story that just kind of coincidentally fits together. No, it started out with people that knew him and loved him, scared to death, assuming that he was, in fact, dead, and showed up. If they, were, if they were part of the trick, then they showed up at the scene of the crime with a government that would look for them, that would certainly kill them. It, it, they didn't even think that what they heard was really true. But they saw Jesus alive, and it got personal. He knew their names. And he wasn't just alive where he would die again. He, he was alive where his legs could pass through wrapping that was around his feet that held him down. It could, just ma it could just mysteriously pass through that, but he was so real that he could fold the wrapping that was around his head and leave it neatly so he showed this is a different life. This changes everything. And if you noticed, it says so many times, they didn't understand yet. They didn't understand yet. You don't need to be able to understand resurrection to believe in your soul that it happened. Just like Mike said, when he just felt that calling from God on his, on his life, if you sense that this morning, the Bible's very clear. It says that if you believe 
in Jesus and you confess with your mouth, then you will be saved. That belief is, Lord, I trust you. I'm ready to give you my life. I believe that I have sin, that the needs to be paid for, and you sent Jesus to do that. And in his payment, I find acceptance. In his resurrection, I find new life for me too. When you go to the Lord with a prayer like that, the Bible just doesn't make it complicated at all. He says you will be saved. Saved from what? That day. That day, the certain day. But it's not just that day. It's, it's all of life. I can tell you, like Mike says in the full link, it, my life has not been perfect. But with Jesus, it's been purposeful. There's been purpose in every single thing that's happened, whether it was a celebration or it was heartbreaking. But if you also come here, you're listening today, and you know Jesus, don't you consider how your life is a window for somebody else as well? Did you catch what Mike's story was? Because this is a lot more recent than Scripture. He says that there was a guy on the ship named Paul who just lived faithfully in front of him. And people saw the evidence of it. And they started hearing the Jesus story. And they started going, and, and something's different about this. This is a different kind of life. And when the call of God used that on them, Mike came to Christ. And then what happened? He said there were so many others. He said, in fact, there was one guy specifically, he said, that I prayed with when he gave his life to Christ. All of a sudden, real quick, Jesus turned Mike's witness already into a window. The reason why I chose this is I found this this week in a store. Um, the bottom pane is, is out, right? Wouldn't you agree that the bottom side is a lot easier to look through than the top? The top's pretty dirty. It's old, stained. This is a reminder for all of those of us that believe in Jesus and know that we have a relationship with him, that as a witness, our window is so much easier it's so much easier seen through when we remove things that are clouding it. When we take the things in our life that are just, they're just sinful. They're just distracting. They're just, they're, they're not what Jesus is calling us to. We just simply remove them and allow so many other people to see through them clearly. Would you bow your heads just for a second? As we've gathered here to, to hear God's word and to worship, I want you to know today that if you if you have an uncertainty, or if you just know clearly that you don't have a relationship with Jesus, on Easter Sunday, we want to make sure that you know how, that you can know you have that relationship. You can just simply pray a prayer. If you know in your heart, you've sensed this thing like Mike talked about, that, that, that you know that God is calling you to something, you know that you feel something inside, you're, you're not sure where to aim it, what to do with it. Maybe even you, you've, you've bargained a little bit. You say, hey, listen, I, you know, I, can, I can do this later. The, the, the thing about that day is we don't exactly know when it's coming. So why not realize in the seriousness of who God is how we can act now on behalf of what he's calling us to do. Believing in Jesus. How do I believe in Jesus? In my heart, in my mind, when I came to Christ, I didn't fully understand who Jesus was. I didn't really get how God worked. In fact, I had a lot of questions of why things in my life would have happened if there is a God that loved me so much. But inside of my soul, I sense that he has a greater plan and purpose than what I fully realized in my mind. And I knew in my heart that I could trust him. Now, trusting is not holding back and protecting and guarding and keeping 
private information. It's just opening everything wide open to have full access. And we know in our heart that means, that's really what it means to believe. And, 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 and in opening our lives to God, it's, it's this thing called surrender. Not that we give up, but we let go. And we allow God just the access that he wants all the time. The Bible talks about confession, about praying. And, and, and you can just pray a prayer like this. It can be this simple. God, I, I believe that I'm a sinner. I know that. I do things that are wrong. And if you're God, if you're perfect, they've got to be unacceptable to you. But I believe that you sent Jesus to this earth to pay for all sin, including mine, so that I could have a relationship with you, God. I could, I could be forgiven in Christ. So God, forgive me and give me new life, the kind of life that Jesus died and rose to give me. He is Lord. He is in control. And if you've prayed that prayer, you mean it in your heart, then, then, then salvation has happened in your soul. You have a relationship with Jesus. He, he is living in you, and, and he wants to begin a work that, that day after day that you get to have conversations with him in prayer, and you get to read his word and know him, and, 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 and be in good community with other believers so that as we all figure out the problems in life together through Christ, we can find victory in him, and we can show him to the world around us. I do want to ask this, just because I want to be able to pray for you well. If you're here today, and I know I'm asking this for those present, if you're, if you're watching online and you made that decision, you can go online and click on that form. We talked about that, that connect form, and there's a box where you can just simply check it. I became a Christian today. But if you're here in this service, and, and you've prayed that prayer because you know that today you want to give your heart to Jesus Christ and your life to him, and you mean that, and, and this is a beginning of a relationship with you, while no one else is looking around, would you mind just... Raising your hand just enough so I could see it to be able to pray for you just by slipping your hand up. Awesome. Thank you so much. Anyone else? Thank you very much. Anybody else? Just a couple more seconds. About three seconds. Anybody? Man, fantastic. Thank you so much for just that honesty and that willingness just to, just to celebrate what Jesus is doing in your life. And we want to come around you and encourage you. And, and, and can I talk to everybody else? If I'm assuming that we all are Christians who did not raise our hand and we believe in Jesus and we're, we're, we're committed to follow him, can we simply just do what we did at the very beginning of our salvation and open our lives to say, Lord, is there something that I can remove to allow others to see you more clearly? God, whatever that is, can, can, can we do that together? Will you speak to me in that loving way? Not just in general ways like, like Mary first heard woman, but when she heard her name, Mary. God, will you speak to me that way? And, and can I tell you, he, he will. It will be so, so personal. And if your struggle has even just been disbelief or unbelief or, or just being wrapped up with the cares and the, and the heavy things of life, that just seem to just really weigh you down. Please hear in the witness of Mary that Jesus wants to call you to a purpose, sometimes out of those, and sometimes through them. Because where Jesus wants us is as close to him as we can possibly be, because he is that kind of father. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for those that Lord, just testified that their witness is now that they know you as Savior. 
Lord, thank you for that because salvation is here. Jesus is alive. It is, it is different. It's a game changer. Everything has changed because Jesus is alive. Lord, thank you for that truth that we can live in. God, thank you as we worship today that we worship Jesus, not someone who, who has died and will die again, but someone who, who, is, who is uniquely different, who is everything to us. God, that can minister in physical ways, but in spiritual ways. That he, he will, he, even though he in heaven is where he exists, God, that he did not leave us alone because he, he sent us his spirit to live in us as, as believers and as followers of Jesus to help us through every functional thing of life. God, all the events that Mary went through, the grief, the turmoil, the wondering, the questioning, Lord, we all understand those moments of life. And we simply need what she received, God, which is for you to speak personally to us. So God, I pray that right now in these moments of life that for all of us in this room we hear personally the message God that you want to deliver to us Lord thank you that we then can now live as the witnesses and the window for others to look through God I thank you for the circumstances and the individuals that you brought into Mike's life into my life into the life of the of, of, of others here and others listening and watching the God you used as we came to Christ so God, help us to realize that that's how you're choosing to work. You told us that clearly through Peter, as, as we read at the beginning. God, that's how you choose to work. So now, on Easter Sunday, as we cry out this message that Jesus is alive, Lord, that it's supposed to come out of our lives as we leave this building, as we parent, as we exist in relationships as husbands and wives, as we date, as, as we go to work, as we live everywhere we go, God, we, we are supposed to be the window for someone else to look through to see Jesus, to see the good works, Lord, that are supposed to give him credit, not to see our goodness or what we create, but, God, for us to decide in ourselves, committed to, Lord, if Jesus is alive, that, Lord, then everything about me must be different. Everything in my heart and my soul, the direction of it, must change. Lord, we're just so thankful for, God, what you are doing, what you have done, and what you will do. In the name of Jesus, we pray.